Hello, welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. Almost forgot the name of our podcast for a second. I am Charlie, <laughs> joined by Reed. Um, I almost forgot the name because uh, I have been diving deep, deep, deep into a lot of this preview stuff for this week's episode. Obviously, it's the biggest game of the year coming up. Before we get to all that jazz, uh, Reed, how has your week been thus far? Uh, I was mentioning to you before we got started, I've just been so distracted by uh, everything that comes with this game, including trying to get a ticket, uh, which I finally got. Um, (laughs) So I will be there. Uh, I'm hoping to show up to game day too. Um, And this just is a a really electric matchup that like, uh, I I haven't had this level of anticipation for a home game in a long, long time. Yes, that's a good point, actually. I wonder what the last time... I mean, we, we've heard the stat. It's the last... Or, sorry, it's the first ranked matchup in Autzen since the Stanford game. Yeah. Uh, other obviously, than, game day was at that one, too. Other than oh, BYU. And, and Washington, yeah. BYU doesn't. I'm like, but BYU doesn't count. Those, yeah, but. yeah. Um, it wasn't treated that way. But Stanford and Washington, I think, part of it is... It, in 2018, both those games were like... Uh, Orkin hadn't been good in so long. I think we kind of they turned into big games as they evolved, but I mm-hmm. there wasn't the same level of hope or even you know confidence for some people in the product that we would see from Oregon going into those games. Like I feel like it hasn't been since maybe the 2014 Michigan State game that there's been this level of opponent going to, into Autzen. Uh, that Oregon has felt like they, you know, were maybe favorites against, um, or at least like a toss-up, a very competitive game against. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned this level of expectations being higher, because I actually want to lead off this episode with something we kind of left off on last week, but maybe we didn't cap off the way I wanted to. Um, What are your expectations for this team for the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, I, I think I know what they are, but... I mean, we should probably just set them in stone right now for the rest of the year. Like, is it Pac-12 title or bust? Or can you envision any other scenario in which you could consider this, like, a successful season? Yeah, well, the you know, the Pac-12 title odds are shifting back and forth with these big match- matchups each week. But Oregon, for the second straight week, finds themselves as the favorites to win the Pac-12 right now. Um, so... I mean, in that regard, I think like that has to be where expectations start. Um, and winning it, you know, Oregon still isn't, um, uh, it's not, you know, they're not a minus odds to win it. Like they're not favored to win it uh, versus the field, but they're favored relative to any of these other teams. And so I think making the Pac 12 title game is like my barometer of success i think that's very achievable um and something oregon absolutely can do uh and then from there you know compete i think it's going to be a good game against any of these other four teams that oregon will play uh and certainly i hope that oregon comes out on top of that game but i wouldn't call it a failure if they don't because i think these are three quality opponents on a neutral field i think i agree with you i mean i we have to add the qualifier that like, well, okay, let's just use this as a barometer, right? Was last season a failure? I mean, we made it to the Pac-12 title, didn't win it, still had a huge win in Columbus. Like 
is that season of failure kind of felt like it just yeah. because of the fashion the like the way in which we lost those games right i think it was because i, I mean obviously the coaching's you know turnover kind of clouds the entire offseason but in general like Oregon's aspirations as a program are winning Pac-12 titles and winning Rose Bowls and ideally building towards winning a national title right those are the Mm -hmm. only things we care about like Oregon doesn't you know I don't know if they literally do or not but at least the fan base like in spirit doesn't hang banners for alamo bowls or non-new year six bowls you know um Mm -hmm. not anymore at least right obviously (laughs) back in the day uh maybe 50 years ago (laughs) right um but i think that you know if we win a conference title that's something to be proud of and if you go to and especially win a new year six bowl that's something to be proud of oregon didn't do either of those things last year uh so i think the last box to check is well is there any type of momentum that this is building us towards accomplishing those things or winning a national title? And even though, even with the win in Columbus, I think that with how the season ended, that was not positive momentum for Oregon to achieve any of those goals. Hmm. Yeah, it was like one step forward and two steps back in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a great metaphor. Um. So yeah, I would agree with you. I mean you know, it's not necessarily Pac-12 title or bust. I think that's an easy gauge, like, if you want to just freehand it. You know, if we lose a close Pac-12 title game, still maybe make a New Year's Six or something like that um, and win that, I, I could con- I could conceive that being successful. Um, one thing, though, is one major, like, piece of this, and I, this is how I'm transitioning, is uh, keeping this Autzen streak alive is actually a huge, like, thing for me at this point. I don't know if you feel similar, but this streak has gone on for so long and it, it's so personal to me and my experience, like in being at U of O that I'm really, really attached to this now. Like again, the streak, I don't remember the exact number, but you know, Stanford 2018 is the last one I've mentioned it on damn near every episode thus far. Uh, if we weren't to win, if we didn't win the PAC 12, um, as long as we can keep that streak alive in these three games against UCLA, UW, and Utah, honestly, like, who you know, if we drop the game at the end of the year to the Beavers, yeah, that would suck. But, I mean, we'd still have that home record to lean back on. Um, and I would still, you know, in, in that hypothetical, I think we're still probably, like, 10-2 and two at the end of the season. I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, knock on wood, but... The Cal and Colorado games don't look much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't look like they're much to worry about after last weekend. Um, and you know, yeah, the Oregon State game, it would suck to lose that one. But if you go undefeated at home, you're still, uh, I think, guaranteed a spot in the conference title game. I assume. Um, yeah. So uh, Doug ran through um, all of this on Twitter he like went full spreadsheet mode and did all this scenarios and stuff. I can't remember exactly what, <laughs> if it lines up that way, but uh, you can check out Doug's Twitter account if you want to do that. I don't remember his full handle, but you, you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's imp- listening to this pod. <laughs> it's yeah. It's Doug Scott. I think I forget the handle, but um, yeah, I think it's cool that like that streak is is I'm sure like especially personal to you because it overlaps with your time at Oregon. Um, 
and like that's that's super cool and it has been a really long streak that has a chance to continue here um you know just from my perspective like i don't have that same personal attachment of it overlapping with you know having attended a ton of the games in the last four years but uh i this just feels like a return to like how I used to feel about Oregon football and that run of the early like 2010s. And a lot of people on Twitter uh, are rallying around like this game being a return to vintage Autzen uh, because, you know, people have been disappointed at times with what it's looked like the past, you know, five plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's an opportunity to do that on Saturday. And it's really a game that the Oregon crowd has a huge chance to impact. You know, I mean, not to get too far into the preview, but UCLA's only played on the road at Colorado this season. Uh, yeah, it's like not a road game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, credit for the Colorado crowd for showing up last weekend against Cal, but uh, the UCLA, you know, put them out of that game pretty quickly. Uh and, you know, it wasn't a real road environment. And I think Oregon has a big chance to feed off that. Um, so that's really exciting, like, to have a game that's so crucial for the Pac-12 title race that we all actually have a chance to buy a ticket to and really, really impact uh, is a super cool feeling. Yeah, well, at least, you know, hopefully some of us still have the opportunity <laughs> to buy it. Um it's it they're going fast in fact they've been sold out for a while uh this is the first time i've seen tickets go so fast uh to any game i can remember really um i mean i'm sure there are other examples but i wasn't like you know old enough to care about them speaking of our ages and speaking of this rivalry history um let's go back i love to we love to do since 2000 just because it's a good barometer for us when we were born (laughs) um but it's also kind of when Oregon was emerging into, you know, being a different Oregon, and it's also the turn of the century. It's an easy gauge. Uh, It also fits within a screen on uh, the college football database that I use. Um, Since we were born, Reed, how many times has Oregon lost to UCLA? That's a good question. Um, Without looking at the Google Doc. Yeah, no, I'm not looking. Uh, Maybe... I want to say like four. I can't name them off the top three. of my head. Three. Yeah, only three. 2004, 2007, and 2017. Um, mm. That 2007 game I especially remember was 16 to zero, and Oregon was it was right after the Dixon thing, all, all that. Right. Anyways, um, interesting note: the Ducks also avoided UCLA in 2015 and 2016. Uh, maybe they would have gotten a chance to nip a win there, but too bad, whatever. Um, everyone remembers last year, it felt like a ranked matchup, but it wasn't. Uh, UCLA was technically unranked at the beginning of that, I believe. Um, but in ranked matchups, there's only been six of them in this entire series history. Uh, Oregon leads four and two all time in those matchups. So that's a good indicator for the Ducks. Um, and out of those three I mentioned, UCLA hasn't won. The only one of those that was in Autzen, the only loss, was in 2004. So it's been quite some time, (laughs) almost 20 years, in fact, uh, since the Ducks lost to the Bruins in Autzen. This might be the last time they ever play in Autzen. I didn't really think about that until now, but 
in the same vein that we were talking about, like USC visiting Corvallis, I mean, I don't think UCLA will ever visit Autzen again. So um, we got to send them out with a bang. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see if Oregon can get into the Big Ten here. And, and, you know, 10 years from now, I I wouldn't put money against that necessarily. Um, But certainly, like, you know, it's the last Pac-12 game they'll play in Autzen. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, For the foreseeable future, this will be the last time they visit. Um, Before we get into the specifics of this game, like, historically, I'm curious, like, how do you think about UCLA? Because, to me... Uh, especially since the move to divisions um, in the Pac-12 era, UCLA has been kind of the most forgettable Pac-12 team for me. Like, they kind of just exist. They don't really have a lot of fans. They don't really have, obviously, any in-stadium, like, atmosphere or anything like that, comparable to, say, Utah or even Arizona when when they're plucky. Um, I guess we played them in the Pac-12 title game, but that's really the last, like, UCLA is just never relevant enough to to be in a big game, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so, like, overall, what, what's your kind of perception of UCLA? Yeah, I mean, well, if you, if you think about, like, from an Oregon perspective specifically and for us, you know, that 2007 loss with Dixon, like, I have faint memories of, but, you know, we were pretty young at that time. And since then, Oregon's won, what, 9 of 10 against them? Yeah, nine of the last ten against mm-hmm. UCLA. The only loss being in 2017, which obviously, you know, wasn't a particularly successful <laughs> or memorable season for Oregon fans. Um, so the games never really felt uh, incredibly threatening to me. If I'm being honest, I think last year's game was one I was excited for, uh, obviously, and and I have memories of that. But in general, like those years of I mean, Oregon was just so good in the early 2010s that, you know, UCLA was always a team with Brett Hundley there and Miles Jack and stuff that, you know, it felt like, oh, they're they're one of the teams ranked in the teens that people want to hype up mm-hmm. as that next Pac-12 contender or whatever. Uh, but it never seemed like they were uh, especially threatening, maybe. Uh, and that like bore itself out in the results of those games Uh, i mean yeah i you know went into them with typical nerves and they were big games but oregon as they did you know against a lot of pac-12 opponents basically not named stanford during those years like would roll in those games consistently Mm -hmm. and i correct me if i'm wrong i think oregon were three point favorites last year in that game uh Either it was three points one way. I just mm-hmm. can't remember who was favored. Um, yeah, this I forget game, if it was us or UCLA. I I, I can check yeah. that. Either way, I mean it's close enough. Um, right. Oregon are six point favorites heading into this one. Game of the week in the Pac-12 by far. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a great top to bottom slate this week, um, unless you like watching terrible teams like I do. Uh, UCLA and USC both off. Real quick before we really jump into this matchup let's clean up some stuff from last week um don't take betting advice from us our picks have been absolute dog (laughs) shit the last two weeks um collectively we have two wins out of our eight pick or sorry out of our uh what is that 10 picks from the last (laughs) last week we picked 10 games between the two of us and we got one of them right Um, oh my god yeah you got what was that (laughs) 
you had USC covering, which is funny because they still lost the game and covered the three and a half. <laughs> um, and then the week before that, our only win was me picking USC to cover against Wazoo, which they arguably shouldn't have done. So, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, there were some wild results last week. Let's blaze through these real quick. Um, Cal gives Colorado its first win of the season and probably only win of the season, just like it did to Arizona last year. Uh, a lot of people are bringing up the Josh Wilcox discourse in this one. Um, like, did Oregon pay him to just lose one game every season so that Washington keeps the 0-12 record alive? Again, they're the only team to ever do that in Pac-10 or 12 play, I believe. Um, so, d- please tell me you didn't watch this game like I did. I, I tuned in only for the, the last quarter of it, really. Um, okay. But I, I was rooting for the Buffs hard, and I was happy that they pulled it out. Uh, and it just, sol- it well, not even solidified. I think it changed my perception of Cal. Uh, Cal had not had a horrible season up until this. Uh, we kind of went into the Washington State game last week and thought, like, oh, could they be competitive in that game? Maybe those teams are closer than we think. They got you know, beat pretty soundly by Wazoo and then go on the road and lose to a Colorado team that we thought was far and away the worst in the conference um, and had was favored to go 0-12 on, you know, by the sports books. Yeah. Like, insane loss for them. Yeah, no longer the worst team in FBS, at least for now. Um, let's get through the rest of these real quick. Arizona, Washington, uh, <laughs> Huskies, Fail to lose, but also fail to cover, unfortunately. Um, although, again, I don't know if you were watching this, but Arizona low-key got robbed um, of an extra possession in this one. And the, the, I don't know, there were just some real questionable calls that went the Huskies' ways, Huskies way towards the end of the game. Whatever. 10-point win for Washington. Their defense is bad. Yeah, I, I think it just for me made me feel more confident that Washington is can look good, but you know, isn't one of the top four teams like we thought they might be after their first four weeks. Hilarious game of the week. Stanford beating Notre Dame in South Bend by a nice, lovely score of 16 to 14. Um, I had this game on and I watched as little of it as possible. I was more focused on literally anything else that was going on. Um, So good for the Cardinal. I guess David Shaw will stick around for probably five more years at least (laughs) after winning that game. Uh, if you don't have anything to say, I, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, just surprising result. I didn't watch a ton of it. It was second screen, I think, during the USC-Utah game. Um, impressive, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on in Notre Dame, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing good. You mentioned USC at Utah. Amazing game. Game of the year in the Pac-12 by far, so far. Um, I, both of these teams still look like they can compete for a conference title. There are some questions about refereeing. I... I think they're getting a little bit overblown. It's funny how when this happens to literally any other Pac-12 team, it's like not a huge deal. But once USC fans decide to actually watch a game for once, uh, they get really angry about a couple calls. Even though they were gifted like 10 extra seconds at the end of the game, I don't know. Um, Either way, great game. Uh, Good for Utah. Nice little story with the helmets and everything. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think... It was a weird game. It felt like at the start of it that USC was just throwing punches and like might be able to run away with the game, but Utah fought and clawed their way back into it and obviously won at the last second there. 
Um, I think my main takeaways were honestly like as impressive of a performance as it was for Utah um, to finish out the game. Like I was impressed with USC's ability to deal with that environment early on. It's not as good of a team as it was last year, but we saw what that environment did to Oregon last season. Um, and True. USC handled that uh, early on. So I didn't, you know, I left kind of feeling better about them than I did going into the game in some weird ways. Uh, but the loss is huge for the conference standings. And then uh, the injuries to Jordan Addison and Eric Gentry, we'll mm-hmm. see, you know, what results from those. But those are huge things for a team in USC that, you know, the big question about them going into the year was their depth. Uh, and that is, you know, being tested as it often is in football. Uh, real quick regarding the environment, I think it was interesting that, like you said, USC handled it really well to start the game. I don't know how well they handled it throughout the game. Um, I think it kind of wore on them as the game went on. You saw more things like random false starts happening, mm-hmm. um, and it just seemed like it helped Utah build that momentum even after being down, I think it was 14-0 to start the game. Um, that's something that could, you know, just footnote that, bookmark it in your head. Uh, if Oregon's, you know... Maybe UCLA is handling the crowd noise well at the beginning of the game. Well, it'll be there for four quarters, so or at least hopefully it will. So, <laughs> um, you know, just something to keep in mind. Don't don't just check it off. Um, all right, final game: Wazoo, Oregon State. Uh, honestly, I got dra- I I left the house like before the end of this game, but um, I had seen enough. Wazoo potentially fraudulent. I can't believe we ever talked about this team possibly being in the the Pac-12 title discussion. Yeah, it's pretty crazy now. Uh, And it was a tough result for Oregon, honestly, uh, because Wazoo is, in my mind, Oregon's marquee win, maybe. Uh, I guess you could say BYU too, but I don't really want to. uh, And that's not looking much more (laughs) impressive as the weeks drive on either. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of UCLA fans... Uh, particularly Carlos are saying like Oregon hasn't beaten a team with less than three losses. That's true. Uh, There's not much you can say to, you know, come back in terms of like Oregon doesn't have a signature win yet. Uh, And this was a huge hit to that. And then on the other side, Oregon state is in a, you know, it looked like disaster after the Utah game and probably should have lost to Stanford. Uh, but all of a sudden they have Colorado and then a bye uh, and then a trip to Washington uh, in which they will likely be six and two. Um, and they have a real shot to finish the year with eight wins, nine wins. Uh, that would be a huge you know, thing for them. They could also finish the year with like seven wins. So we'll see, but yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting with the Beavers, especially with this guy Gold Branson at quarterback. Jesus. Um, anyways, <laughs> quick little, yeah, they're, it's it's sick stuff. Um, Alabama, Tennessee, we got to mention it, even though it's outside the conference. Very quickly, uh, this is the game of the year in college football, I think. Um, amazing game. Glad Tennessee pulled it out. Just nice to see Bama lose. Don't think this affects like our landscape too much, except maybe the sec has three playoff teams this year um i don't know i I don't really care that much either way but uh what your quick thoughts on this game 
Yeah, I mean, if they do, I think Tennessee deserves a ton of credit for winning that game, right? I mean, that was Oregon's argument last year was we beat Ohio State. Like, whatever you want to say, that win should carry a ton because it proves that we can compete in a playoff setting, supposedly. Um, And beating Alabama does that as well. So, like, if Tennessee made the playoffs, I wouldn't be upset. I'm not too stressed about three teams in the SEC making it because – it would require all those teams going unbeaten except in their games against each other. Uh, and maybe that could happen, but just, you know, the history of college football suggests that it probably won't, uh, even though yeah. they'll be favored and, you know, heavily in a lot of them. Um, so really fun game, super, like, cool scenes after it with the singing and cigar smoke on the field and the goalposts being carried <laughs> out. Um, and some other interesting results, like, Oklahoma State going down and Penn State being knocked out of the playoff race and stuff. You know, we'll see how how the rest of this year evolves in terms of the playoff race, but that's not really my focus right now in terms of the Ducks. Yeah, same. Uh, our focus as Duck fans is solely on this UCLA game. All right, specifically for this game, as I mentioned, Oregon, six-point favorites. Game day is in town. It's a big deal. It's going to be a toga party toga party jesus it's gonna be lots of fun uh god brain farty instead um we talked about you know the the crowd noise and how that can affect things there's the obvious storyline of chip coming back home first time sorry second time he'll be coaching in front of fans at Autzen uh after the the jordan jerseys game the dylan mitchell game as i like to remember it uh in 2018 Obviously, he almost got it done at Autzen in 2020 in that weird season. That's <laughs> the Ohana jersey game. It's funny how we always bust out, uh, you know, interesting jerseys for this yeah, game. Even last point. year, it was the it was the speckled debut, I, I think, right on the yeah. road. So, yeah, <laughs> that is yeah, it's kind of a weird segment there, but um, I am just really excited for this one for all the reasons we already mentioned. Let's talk about on either side of the ball. The general thing I want to mention about both these teams at the outset is they're great offenses and kind of, I don't want to say mediocre, but maybe slightly underwhelming defenses so far this season. Uh, UCLA did a decent job against like Michael Penix and did a pretty good job against uh, Cam Rising in Utah, but um, one David Woods called their, um, (laughs) he called their rush defense, quote, decent. Uh, Obviously that's something Oregon should be able to exploit. Uh, even in, I, I was reading over Hithliday's recent article, his like uh, mid-season report card so far. Two things stood out to me. One of them is something I keep mentioning every week. Uh, Oregon's rush offense is off the charts, like literally better than championship caliber every week at this point. Um, I, I think that's the recipe to winning this game again. Uh, as we've talked about for the past, like, what, four weeks now in a row? Um, and, I mean, we talk about in general all the time, if you can establish the run on offense and the other team can't stop you, you should be fine. Um, UCLA's defense does have some guys. Uh, the Murphy brothers obviously transferred in, Gabe and Grayson. Uh, Liatu Latu makes some plays for them. Um, but who else on this UCLA defense stands out to you? I think that you took the three that I view as like <laughs> more of the playmakers maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And the rest of this unit, I don't think is great. Uh, I mean, their results against 
Utah and UW, you know, they didn't, I, both those teams, I guess, scored 32 on them. I didn't realize that was that exact, but um, in pulling it up, both of them scored 32 uh, with, you know, a home field advantage, if you can call it that, uh, in the Rose Bowl. So I think Oregon's offense is better than Washington or Utah's, especially at home. Uh, and particularly like the secondary is a huge weak point for UCLA that we talked about early in the season. Uh, and I don't really see a reason to completely dismiss that just because they won those last two games. Um, I think it's about Oregon putting themselves in a position to control this game, you know, based on how they contain UCLA's offense more than anything. Um, but on this side of the ball, I expect the Ducks to start with establishing the run. Um, and, you know, the offensive line is what makes this Oregon offense go more than anything right now. And I just don't – I don't know if I see UCLA's front challenging them that significantly. Yeah, that's a good point. The biggest X factor on this side of the ball – or on that side of the ball for UCLA is obviously DTR. I mean, this guy – I have it written down here as like he is the blank best quarterback in the Pac-12. For me, he's one. Um, yeah. I think we talked about this even last episode. I think he is for you too, right? Yeah, he's um, one for me too. He's just been absolutely insane. And a lot of it actually isn't because, uh, I mean, he, he's been passing well. Don't get me wrong. He's passing it with 75% accuracy. Um, but a lot of that is due to the way Chip Kelly can draw things up and make things easier for him. Um there was an interesting uh, graph that I retweeted pretty recently. I think it was yesterday that outlines like power five quarterbacks and how they've, you know, thrown the ball from quote unquote true dropbacks. Uh, this is done by at CFB numbers on Twitter. Um, and it, it rates them against like the PFF pass grade and it just mm-hmm. kind of lines them all up. Uh, UCLA is one of the few schools uh, where DTR doesn't even make it onto this graph because he doesn't have the minimum amount of attempts. Um, so what that tells me is that even though he's been putting up numbers, even throwing the ball, a lot of it is from screens, RPOs, and play actions, all of which weren't included on this graph. So what that tells me is that if Oregon can get UCLA behind the chains and get him into third and long, which, yeah, okay, duh, Charlie, like you want to get every team into third and long on every you know down – um, even if they can do that, like that's, you know, that's what this game is going to come down to. Honestly. Um, I mentioned both these teams are, are really good at certain things. One of those things is the offenses being really, really good on third and fourth downs and really, really bad at defending them. Um, if you go to, uh, Parker at stats of war on Twitter, it does his little preview outlines for each game. Um, Oregon is, uh, 120th in defending third and fourth downs UCLA is eighth in converting them on offense and then on the other side of the ball UCLA is 100th in defending them and Oregon is third in converting them uh, a lot of that comes from the fact I think Oregon is still 100% on fourth downs this season uh, at least I can't remember one um, they've also pulled out the quick kick a couple times which you know I'm a big fan of but um maybe I, I want to frame thinking about this game like this, Reed. Like, which side of the ball do you feel more, not more confident in, because obviously it's going to be Oregon on offense, but 
which side is going to win this game for Oregon if they get it done? Yeah, I, I like that framing of it. Uh, and obviously, you know, it takes both. But I think that the defense has a chance to – the defense is going to get, you know, at least 30 points of support from the offense, and I think that's even a conservative projection. Um, so they have a chance, like, knowing that to really make this game in a dominant showing for the Ducks. Um and I, I think there is a real chance that they can do that. A few of the things I'm looking at, one, you know, how can they defend the run, right? We all know, like, Chip Kelly's offenses start with establishing the run. Charbonnet got nine yards per carry against Utah. Um, this Ducks defensive line and run defense is... Uh, we're still learning about them, but there's talent and depth there. Uh, and I think especially the potential for the two linebackers, Flo and Sewell, to come back and perform finally to the expectations that we had for them preseason after having a bye week to get a little healthier. If they can do that, um, then all of a sudden, like you said, you get UCLA in third and fourth downs. And if you can get them off the field consistently and you get Autzen loud, like this is this could shift into a really dominant win for Oregon, potentially. Um, I'm not necessarily predicting that, but I think that that is one of the, you know, possible outcomes that is out there. Uh, and the other side of that is, you know, a weakness for Oregon has been their secondary and particularly their depth in the secondary. The good news right now is, like, UCLA doesn't have a ton of weapons in the passing game, right? It's mm -hmm. Jake Bobo has been the guy that's garnered most of the attention. You know, he's gotten the five touchdowns and currently leads them in receiving yards. Um, and he's a bigger receiver, right? I think he's, yeah, he's six foot five um, transfer from Duke. He's so, but you know, I mean, he went to Duke, right? And, He's a white receiver. Like, he's not the most athletic guy out there. Uh, like, a guy like Triquez Bridges, pretty long, probably could defend him all right. Um, maybe that would be, like, an advantageous matchup or what we saw Gonzo do last week against Stanford's receivers. Like, I think there's a similar archetype there, potentially, that Oregon has had success against. Um, and then, like, Casimir Allen is the guy who leads them in receptions. Um, and you know, I just don't find that incredibly scary. He's like a converted running back for them, uh, you know, for, since when he came to college and, you know, he, I think it's guys who are taking advantage of, you know, the same type of schematic genius that we saw from Chip Kelly at Oregon. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, these are guys who, yeah, they're, they're power five level starters. They can, you know, catch a ball if no one's within five yards of them. But, like, are, are they really winning these matchups as true wide receiver ones? Would they be wide receiver ones for Oregon? I don't think so. Um, so I think there's some potential there to, you know, limit. If you, if you win on first down against the run, like you said, DTR can't drop back that well or that's not his strength at least 
Um, so then it turns into like, well, what wide receivers are winning one-on-one matchups? And that would be an area of concern for Oregon, but that's not the biggest problem that UCLA poses. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Oregon's been stopping the run. Again, I'm going to cite Hithleday, uh 60% of the time on first and second downs. That's, <laughs> that's not a good indicator that you can run the ball against Oregon. Uh, and it puts people in the third. In fact, the rates might even be higher than that. I might be missing, messing that up. Um, either way, Oregon doesn't usually have to commit more than like four or five guys to stop the run against their opponents thus far. Now, obviously, UCLA is a bit of a different story, sure, but I think it's safe to say that they haven't faced as good of a run defense as Oregon yet. Um, yeah, no way. No, no one yeah. even close. I mean, Utah's isn't what we think, what you think of Utah's front seven as being is not what they are yet, and especially not on the road in week five. Um, this Oregon run defense, I think, is much better. Yeah, and... I don't know. A lot of the, you know, the main problems against this defense have, have come against Bridges, unfortunately. I think Bridges is, I mean, he's super athletic. He's a decent player. I mean, he's getting, he's playing on the opposite side of Christian Gonzalez. And no matter how you slice it, like Gonzalez is an elite, elite cornerback. Uh, usually that means if you're a smart quarterback, you want to throw the ball away from him. Um, and that's kind of where that comes from. So again, we'll see how Oregon matches up. I think this is a, an underrated like coaching behind-the-scenes matchup, uh, Dan Lanning's defense versus mm-hmm. Chip's offense. I haven't really heard people mention that that part of this yet. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just super excited to see how Oregon's defense responds against another like good offense. We know Arizona's offense is decent, um, at least against poorer defenses uh, like, like UW's. Um, we've haven't really seen Stanford do anything this year on offense. I'm just going down the list in my head. Like, I mean, Georgia, obviously Oregon couldn't stop for anything, but that's still painting a lot of people's perceptions about Oregon. And honestly, like, yeah, right now UCLA is deserving that nine spot more than we are. Um, They've beaten two competent football teams. uh, And Oregon's, you know, biggest win, like you said, is it Wazoo on the road? I guess like maybe BYU um, both of those are looking less and less impressive every week. So the only way to put those rumors to bed is to win this game. Yeah, um, I think I think the opposite side of the script where it's good for UCLA is, you know, you look at that Wazoo game and how easy it felt like Oregon made things for Cam Ward at times in that game. Um, and that how much Wazoo has struggled since that point. Uh, and, you know, they put up 10 points last week against Oregon State and 14 against USC before that. Both those games, yes, were on the road, uh, you know, and some calls against them played into the number versus USC, you could say. But, uh, you know, Wazoo had their best performance against a competent defense when they played Oregon. Um mm-hmm. You know, if you're excluding the Cal and Colorado State and Idaho games, it was decisively their best performance on offense. Uh, and Oregon, it was because Oregon just didn't make it that difficult. Um, so you got to make it harder for DTR to do those things. And I think that the crowd plays a huge factor in that. You talk about the schematic matchups and, you know, you talked about the crowd noise with Utah and USC and how USC weathered it early. I think that how Oregon's able to jump on 
UCLA early is a huge factor in this because mm -hmm. if there's one thing we know about Chip Kelly off a of bye week, it's like his scripted drives should be money, you would think. Uh, they yeah. were last year, right, uh, in a similar situation off a of bye week. You know, UCLA went up 14 nothing on Oregon quickly, uh, and that was worrying. Uh, I think there's a chance if if Oregon is really rocking and all of a sudden, you know, UCLA gets a false start uh, on their first series or two false starts, you know, and it's a three and out to start the game, like, how, what would that do to take UCLA off schedule early? That should be a realistic possibility. Like UCLA has no experience in this type of road environment really with this team. And even, you know, part of it is I'm not sure exactly what their schedule was last year. I'll pull it up really quickly. But, you know, last season, one of the things we talked about was with the COVID year, like how, how, would teams adapt from playing in empty stadiums to actually playing on road environments with fans? And I think it's similar. I mean, honestly, you could make the joke about the Rose Bowl being similar to a COVID environment because of the lack of fans there. Um, but <laughs> the Coliseum last year for that matter. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, but, you know, even last year, like, they played at uh, Utah and at UW, uh, and, you know, I don't remember the specifics of those environments, but uh, DTR didn't actually even play in that Utah game last year. And Washington was, you know, we knew we know kind of how that season went for Washington last year. So DTR even doesn't have experience in like a serious road environment dating back almost three years now. Um, like that's a weird thing to, to say, of, but it's kind yeah. of true. Yeah, maybe like uh, was he on that wa that was he a part of that Wazoo game where they put up like seventy points each or whatever? Maybe he was. <laughs> maybe that one was pretty insane. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I yeah, sixty-seven, sixty-three back in twenty nineteen. <laughs> um, he did get slaughtered in Rice Eccles uh, in twenty nineteen mm -hmm. at number eight Utah. And then at the Coliseum next week that in 2019. So Yeah, but this is back. I mean, what everyone <laughs> says is like you haven't seen DTR. Like everyone's still basing their perception of DTR based on what he was in 2019. And I'm not trying to say that he will instantly revert back to that whenever he goes on the road. Because that's definitely not the case. But at the same time, like it is true that he hasn't played in a hostile road environment since... 2019 literally like that's yeah i don't think that's debatable really he obviously hasn't this year you go through last year's games it's at usc at the end of the year no at utah he didn't play in that game at washington who was garbage at arizona who was garbage and at stanford who never has a good home crowd <laughs> like there just isn't a game you can go look through them I and mean, that's the nice thing about football you only play 12 games a year like it's not that hard to do this research and the game doesn't exist yeah yeah that, that's a really good point um and yeah it's nice that we could actually dig into that and see for ourselves like yeah he straight up has not played in a difficult environment so that's something to watch for sure um Honestly, if I'm Chip Kelly, which I wish I was, but I'm not, uh, I know he does this faceless opponent crap and all this stuff. Like, we don't want to scout the other team as much as we want to focus on ourselves, all that. 
Um, if I'm Chip Kelly, I'm scripting literally the entire game for UCLA <laughs> on offense. Uh, because Oregon is, if we know anything about Oregon's defense, it has really, really struggled um, defending quick offenses, you know, that like to get, that run fast and that get set up yeah. quick and do Chip Kelly things, uh, which of course is ironic being Oregon being Oregon, but it's just the, the reality. Um, so, you know, conversely, you talked about maybe Oregon gets some stops early and can build some momentum. If they don't get stops, and if UCLA is just running it down our throats for the first, like, three or four possessions, um, I mean, that that's a sincere possibility. Like, it's possible mm-hmm. that the crowd noise doesn't matter that much because they're going so fast and that they already mm-hmm. have the plays ready and everything. Um, again, like I said earlier, that's something that the crowd can, you know, that that's something that, the game can settle into a little more. Uh, it's something that can make a bigger difference towards the end of the game. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, we mentioned Zach Charbonnet a little bit. <laughs> He's having an insane year, man. 7.1 mm. yards per carry against their FBS opponents. Um, <laughs> that's just an insane clip. Uh, again, though, Oregon's running backs have been doing pretty much the same thing, if not better. Um so I, I'm really excited for this matchup. It should be a lot of points. Do you want to give a prediction or do you want to outline some other things first? I think we're at a pretty good spot. I mean, it's a really exciting game. I think Oregon has every opportunity to win. Uh, if I had to give him a prediction, like I would say 38-31 Oregon. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, as I'll often do, unless I have a real strong read on it, defaulting pretty closely to what the Vegas line is. Um and I think Oregon's going to have every chance to score some points, right? Like, if Oregon get those stops early that we're talking about, that's a script to, you know, take control of this game early. But even if they don't, we think we can depend on this offense, hopefully, knock on wood, to put up 30 points of their own or whatever. Uh, and if they can do that, this game's going to be close into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, assuming the the defense is struggling. So yeah, I'll go thirty eight thirty one in favor of Oregon. I am unbelievably excited for this game. Uh, it's the most excited I've been for a home game in a very long time. Uh, I had the chance to go to that twenty fourteen Michigan State game. I'm hoping Oregon can replicate that kind of home field advantage for this game. Uh, and what an amazing turnaround it would be for Oregon to. I mean, I don't even, you know, I'm just focused on what this is going to be. But uh, thinking about back when Oregon, you know, got absolutely blown out at Georgia to have the chance to have a top 10 matchup and game day on hand like this uh, are things that I didn't necessarily think were going to be on the table this season after that result. So I'm just so excited to to have the chance to go to this one. Yeah, same. Um, I mean, this is probably your first game in couple years right like three years or something yeah i think um i don't think i've been to one since that 2019 was no no i went to the oregon state game last year yeah i went to oh, the, that's right yeah, yeah i went to the oregon state game last year that's right yeah i did as well honestly i mean this is i went to the game in atlanta but hopefully this one goes a little <laughs> bit differently than that um i'm i'm on the same page as you i think this is going to be a high scoring game you know if it isn't i you know, this is the Pac-12, right? Anything can happen. Um, there's a world in which this game, the, some craziness happens, and this game ends up being like 20 to 
13 or something. But um, in all likelihood, it's going to be very high scoring. I got the <laughs> the point total is nailed around 70, which he has like you picked it at 69 as the total. Yeah, I'm going to go for I'm, I'm taking the whole hundred. Uh, give me Ducks 55, UCLA 45. Uh, <laughs> I love that. You know what? No, make it 54 to 45. All right. And here's what happens. Uh, Oregon is up. 48 to 45 and UCLA is driving and Triquez Bridges gets a pick six to seal the game. That is that. And for the Oregon cover as well. Beautiful. That's um, kind of, that's kind of flashbacks to what DJ James <laughs> did last year, except he didn't exactly, get it all the way. Exactly. But yeah, I love that. Does Garbers um, come in this time too, or is it from DDR? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Garber still on their team? Is he still their backup? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. Sweet. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Add it to the part. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I think this will be a super fun game, like we say. Um, real quick, do our little forecasting. If Oregon wins, I mean, you know, it's really hard to, to talk about this stuff sometimes when the game hasn't happened yet. But really, if either of these teams win, they are in the driver's seat for the Pac-12, mm-hmm. uh, 100%. Technically speaking, Utah and USC, like, quote-unquote, need help, um, like, to make it into the title game. But their help is coming this weekend because one of these teams has to lose. Right. Uh, so they're, they'll both be in the thick of things. Again, everybody's, at, you know, the four important teams, USC, Utah, Oregon, and UCLA, all at one conference loss right now, uh, except Oregon and UCLA, who have zero. Um, but one of them will emerge with a conference loss. So... You know, just by sheer arithmetic, whoever wins this game is looking at like a very, very good shot to win the Pac-12. We referenced the 538 um, predictions last week. I would encourage you to use that website. Just play around with it. Uh, Oregon right now, the the bell cow technically at 27%, with USC at 25, Utah at 24, and UCLA at 22. That's percent to win the conference title. If Oregon wins this game against UCLA. That number shoots up to 36 for the Ducks. If UCLA win this game, it shoots up to 37% for them. So pretty much the same stakes for both teams in this game. Um, again, just really interested to see how it plays out. Um, and it should be a classic day in Eugene. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you if you use that tool for the inverse for, you know, if Oregon loses this game, interestingly, their, their chances go down to 11%. So that puts a 25% swing between those yeah. two outcomes that's massive i mean for your chance of winning the conference uh you know i'd be interested to see what the odds are just to make the conference title game it's probably potentially like a 50 percent swing in the odds um this game just has so, yeah. huge huge implications for that race and it's going to determine a front runner the loser won't be out of it by any means but it's going to require them to play near perfect for the rest of the year likely if we take a step back as well, this game is probably the biggest for the Pac-12 in a few years in terms of like conference perception and conference you know magnitude. All four of these teams, like there's a good chance uh, your average college football fan has seen all four of these teams play mm-hmm. by now, um, and Oregon is probably the only team that they've you know ignored the most um i mean usc and utah both had games on national television in the last couple weeks ucla the two weeks before that with big ones big wins as well um 
Like, in terms of people paying attention to the conference, this is a 12-30 game. Like, this is your chance to grab any sort of national, uh, you know, clout that you can. Um, so hopefully the, the Ducks can spread some goodwill for themselves in this game. Um, all right, man, anything else you want to mention about this? No, no, I think we've hit it really well. Uh, it fits into a slate, which we'll pivot to now, that uh, there's some matchups, but I think this is, you know, there's a reason this is game day, and it's the game Josh Pate is going to, if anyone cares about that. Um, it's, you know, I think, but I think that's a symbol of like, I think a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, maybe I haven't put, paid as much attention to the PAC 12 as I should have, you know, maybe they caught some of that USC Utah game last week and were like, Hey, this is pretty interesting. Uh, and this week I think it's an opportunity to be like, okay, let's dig into this conference. These are the two unbeatens in conference. What did they have to offer? Uh, it's a big chance for Oregon to kind of re reshape the perception of them nationally. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see TV ratings in this game. If you're somebody who cares about that uh, for anyone who who's seen the schedule for games this week, Texas at Oklahoma state is on at the same time. That's a I believe a ranked on ranked matchup mm-hmm. um, between an Oklahoma with an Oklahoma state team that, you know, has conference title hopes, uh, even with one loss to TCU last week. And Texas is Texas. And then at the same time, same time slot, 1230, Ole Miss at LSU, big SEC game. L- only one conference loss between the two of those teams uh, and only two losses total because LSU lost that crapper of a game against FSU to start the season. But anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, let's see, you know, objectively speaking, this this Oregon-UCLA game is the best out of those three uh, on paper. So let's see if people care enough to tune into it. Um, that's that's an honest question, and I feel like it's one worth, you know, looking at uh, going into next week. So let's look around the conference. Thankfully, mercifully, we only have three games to pick this week because we have four teams on buys, um, and neither of them involve Oregon. So... Uh, Reed, I'll give you the board first, man. Where where do you want to go with this? I will go to I'll go to Washington, Cal, and get my pick for Cal out of the way. Uh, oh baby, <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna go for it. Washington, I tried to put confidence in them last week. Uh, they failed to cover despite being at home and getting a handful of beneficial calls and including that one you saw that fumbled pitch that they called dead for no reason uh, because they thought it was a forward pass it wasn't and we saw the guy gain the line to gain um but they you know went back and reversed it gave washington the ball so yeah for context arizona in the red zone fourth and one they go for it they do the pitch you're talking about and mm -hmm. they it bounces on the ground. The guy picks right. it up and still runs for a first down. That's how bad Washington's defense is. And like you said, they, they blew it dead for no reason. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take Cal. Uh, big game from Jade Knott, maybe. Uh, and I just feel like it. And Cal has beaten Washington before. So how funny would it be to see that happen again? Maybe maybe I we'll be it. saddled up in a bar together in uh, Eugene enjoying uh, the late night slate, huh? 
Yeah, if I'm hopefully we're still awake and or alive by then <laughs> after after game day in the morning and a game in the afternoon. Um, let's see, Washington are seven and a half point favorites in this game. Oh God, I mean, I thought Cal's defense was was decent at least, and then I they couldn't stop Colorado in crunch time last week. Still a low total. The Cal defense versus the Washington offense is an interesting one, but like you said, I mean, Jade not against that Washington run defense that is just non-existent uh we've both picked washington the past three weeks and they haven't covered on right. any of those this isn't horrible bias we've i've been riding with washington i know <laughs> i can't do it anymore i'm with you i'm picking Cal. <laughs> um, this is just unbearable um let's go arizona state at stanford stanford are three point home favorites Let's talk about this for as little time as possible. Uh, I will blindly pick Arizona State. I think uh, I'll go Stanford because just because I don't really care and to be on the other side. If it isn't clear to you yet, again, don't don't bet on these games based on our picks. Um, but they're fun to make still. Yeah, I'll go with Stanford. Sure, maybe they maybe yeah. they really figured some things out in that Notre Dame game. Um, but I'm not very confident in it at all. Uh, and then finally, Colorado in Corvallis. Beavers are 24-point favorites. Um, this, this is, I think, is a better candidate for like seeing the end of it in a bar. Um, yeah, know, perhaps probably. Rennie's, uh, if, if <laughs> I can even get in. Um, not because I'm underage, but because it'll be packed. Jeez, uh, this is a tough one. Fade Colorado, Operation Fade Colorado is officially failed obviously um but can the beavers even score more than 24 points uh will they have to score more than like 27 to cover this i'm not sure give me oregon state yeah i'll take oregon state um i think i think colorado did their job last week but i don't think it's a trend that is going to continue necessarily uh and especially with the beeps at home i'll take oregon state yep um reed you are still clinging clinging to a 21 and 20 winning record wow uh on these picks along the season i've really I'm down thrown to that one away <laughs> i think i was i was I went... seven or eight games above 500 at one point i think something like that yeah you were at uh 17 and 10 and the next by next week you were 20 and 12 you were looking real good uh -oh. um but you've picked one game correctly in the last two weeks miserable <laughs> As have I, by the way. I'm not just sharing <laughs> you. So, um, yeah, it's it's been rough, but uh, it's fun though. That's that's kind of what we live for in this conference. <laughs> How unpredictable the Pac-12 is. Like that's what make the, makes it so fun. I think. I know, man. That's what like Avery from No Truck Stops is mentioning on their latest episode. Like, this is what we live for. We want to get these picks wrong. Like, it means <laughs> chaos is going down, uh, and that's what makes the Pac-12 fun. So, yeah, I love that. Uh. uh all right, those are our picks that you shouldn't adhere our advice to. Um, any other games in the national slate catching your eye? It's kind of a snooze fest in the morning, but uh, Syracuse, do they have any chance at winning at Clemson? Uh, they they do uh, have eh, – probably not, probably not. The <laughs> NC State team they beat last week just isn't very good uh, without Leary. And – Clemson's actually passed some tests. They're like 
they're you know in less convincing fashion than normal but like are kind of chugging along through this acc slate and starting to look like uh longest win streak playoff. in the country belongs to clemson no it's like really or, it's like 13 or 14 spanning back to last season yeah that's crazy i want to look at playoff odds real quick and see what theirs are Oh, I don't have them. Uh, I mean, Clemson's going to win this game, but it would be great if Syracuse could do something, maybe exploit like some part of Clemson's defense. I don't know. The ACC is the conference I pay the least attention to. Yeah, honestly. Clemson's minus five hundred to win the ACC right now. Jesus, yeah, like wow. that's that's a snooze fest. Back to you. Um, back to regular. Are you on a are you on a on a site where you can pull up the the ranked matchups for the week? Um, I am, yes. And, and uh, direct yourself to the noon 30 slate on ESPN2. <laughs> I don't even have to look to know what you're talking about. Um, is it Memphis at Tulane? Memphis at Tulane, ranked Tulane, number 25. It was a it was a wild ride last week, and honestly, most of what I was counting down on Saturday was like, okay, if this team wins, this team loses, like, <laughs> There'll be just enough spots for Tulane to sneak in the back half because, you know, it's been a fun ride. Tulane six and one. Hopefully, it keeps going. Um, Only seven point favorites at home. Come right. On. You know, the four and three Memphis team. Every every week as that it ticks by, we're we're definitely playing with fire a bit uh, in terms of Tulane keeping this record. Um, but I think Tulane hasn't been ranked since. Yeah, since 1998 before this. Jesus. Yep. What? Yep. Oh. Yep. So it's first time in a very long time. Uh, and that's pretty exciting. Brett McMurphy projected uh, the wave to to make the Cotton Bowl. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Cotton Bowl oh, matchup buddy. versus Oklahoma State. Um, that's... <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, so... So I'll That's be some bad juju for the wave. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But I'll take the ranking for now. Like they can't take these screenshots away from us. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I'm looking at my my preseason spreadsheet chart. Tulane were like projected to be fourth worst in the AAC, uh, and right now they they have to be leading in the standings. I mean, they're undefeated. So good for them um roll wave baby uh some other matchups um if purdue at wisconsin at any point makes it in front of your eyes please consider turning it off actually don't consider turning it off just do it there's so many better games at this time like this better not be the one that that you end up watching on any screen of any sort um some others some other candidates in that time slot uh Texas Oklahoma State I mentioned that is a ranked matchup as it turns out. The Texas, Texas 6 point road favorites yeah. in Stillwater. Wow. Uh that's really interesting. LSU one and a half point favorites hosting Ole Miss. That one's pretty crazy too. Well the power um, the power rating heads game. are are acting like or you know saying that Texas is like a top 7 team nationally. Uh Dude, it, I thought it was like top 5. Yeah, Texas. some are. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy but and i, mean, I would like to take full responsibility ranked. and apologize for that i i did pick texas in the playoff apparently um on this show and so i would like to tell people who make these project like please stop 
using me as a metric. Uh, it's really getting embarrassing at this point to have a two-loss team in there so late in the season. But um, at least somebody a- agrees with my preseason prediction, even if Texas themselves don't. Alabama miss- hosts Mississippi State, uh, ranked matchup technically. Bounce back game for Saban and the boys. Can Leach do the unthinkable? Probably not. Um, Bama are 21-point favorites in this game, and Mississippi State just lost to Kentucky. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. They- Neither of those teams should without be without Levis, I think, right? Or was Levis back for that? Uh, I I don't remember honestly. Um, Kansas oh, no, State at TCU, that's a sneaky good matchup, right? Yeah, 17 right. Seventeen versus eight. It's kind of Big analogous to to what's going on in the Pac-12. That's the last two uh, in conference unbeatens in the Big Twelve facing each other. Yeah. Um, and then for the love of God, ABC has got to get their crap together with these these uh, primetime game decisions. Uh, Penn State hosting Minnesota. Um, I mean, if this is a good game, so be it. But dear God, I can't imagine who would want to watch this game over like Kansas State at TCU, uh, which is on at basically the same time. Or the Alabama game for that matter. Um, that's just kind of embarrassing. Any other games you want to mention before we get out of here? I think that's it. Um, oh wait, I have one more. Yeah, uh, crystal ball watch. Ooh. Miami is hosting Duke now. Ooh, Miami put up a nice like twenty points or something terrible at Virginia Tech, who was terrible last weekend. Their defense played well, but Virginia Tech just doesn't have an offense. If Duke wins this game, you're going to be seeing serious calls for crystal ball's head already. I know some of the crazy ones have already, like, you know, some of the crazy Miami fans have already started spinning this, um, even, like, after the the Middle Tennessee game. But he's in deep, deep trouble if they lose that one. So just yeah. just wanted to keep an eye on. Miami's uh, nine-point favorites, but not not unthinkable that Duke could win that. No. They're not horrible. Uh, and there are, oh, well, we like, four and two Duke. Yeah, likely losses on the slate against a pretty good uh, Florida State team, and then uh, obviously Clemson and Pitt uh, will be a competitive game at least probably. So, hey man, Georgia Tech are not dead either. Yeah, they but, won their last two games with an interim. I suppose um, that's true. Oh well, I mean, if we're talking about bowl eligibility for Miami, right? Exactly. This is actually, a, a crucial one. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I, I'll I will be rooting for Duke probably. <laughs> i think i will too four and three do come on now um all right man uh great talking to you once more please rate and review us and all that jazz uh give us feedback we want more feedback from you guys we want to know what works for you with the show uh and what you don't really care for um dm us email us do we have an email i don't think we just dm us yeah it, just dm yeah. us <laughs> Um, or leave a review, whatever. Uh, anyway, you can get some words on pages about us to us. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on the show, really. Um, and if you're going to be down in Eugene, you know, hit us up. Come say hi. Uh, like you said, hopefully we'll be posted up at a bar at, at some point if we're not, like, completely dead from <laughs> what will be an early and a late Saturday. So um, thank you for listening. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.